0: Welcome to the first episode of our new ESG podcast series. My name is Julia Grothaus. I'm a dispute resolution partner and member of the firm's ESG team based in Frankfurt. Now, for many years, sustainability and ESG have become more and more important for our clients. ESG presents massive opportunities for them, but also significant risks that require the right approach. We at Linklaters have made it our goal to help businesses find their way through a constantly changing political and regulatory environment and update you on all relevant developments. In this context, I'm absolutely delighted that I'm joined today by my fellow partner, Kerstin Wilhelm, from our Munich dispute resolution practice. She co-heads the German Crisis Management and Compliance Group and is therefore the perfect match to discuss the recently adopted German Supply Chain Due Diligence Act, quite a tongue twister. Now, Many clients are grappling with this piece of legislation these days, and in this podcast, Kerstin and I will explore the key features of the new law, with a focus on what companies should do now to make sure they comply with the new requirements when they kick in, in early 2023. Kerstin, before turning to the details of the law and what this means for companies, let's briefly recap. How has the issue developed over the past years? Well, let's take the United
1: Nations Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights of 2011 as the starting point with respect to the protection of human rights. So what did Germany do? Well, at first, the German legislator had aimed for a voluntary implementation of these principles and they launched a national action plan in 2016. Over time, it then was allegedly revealed through government surveys that most companies would actually not take sufficient voluntary steps to implement those principles. And that's the reason why Hubertus Heil and Gerd Müller, the Federal Labour and Federal Development Ministers, why they in the end initiated the legislative process in order to introduce mandatory legal provisions. And just to recap at this point here, the coalition agreement of 2018 had already provided for such option but still there was a lot of headwind against the proposal and this headwind in particular came from the business community and the Federal Ministry of Economics. So where are we now? Well, The German Bundesrat adopted the Supply Chain Due Diligence Act at the end of June, so very shortly before the end of this current legislative period. And now that we have this dedicated legal framework, the question is, which companies are affected by the law?
0: And I would like to hand over to you, Julia. Well, the law will apply to all companies that have their administrative center or registered office in Germany, regardless of where the parent company is located, and provided they meet a certain employee threshold. And this threshold is more than 3,000 employees as of 2023 and will be reduced to more than 1,000 as of 2024. Thanks, Julia.
1: Well, looking at these thresholds, I think that's rather far reaching so that a lot of companies will find themselves in scope now. And bearing in mind that the law will enter into force shortly,
0: what would you say? What does the new act actually mean for those companies? Well, in scope companies will have to comply with a number of due diligence obligations aimed at protecting human rights and the environment along their global supply chains and the understanding of supply chain is broad. It includes all activities in and outside of Germany that are required to manufacture products and provide services. Well, and as far as the protected rights are concerned, human rights include in particular the prohibition of child labour and forced labour, discrimination, freedom of association, but also the disregard of occupational health and safety obligations, for example, if they give rise to work-related health hazards. And with regard to the environment, there are two distinct categories of impact. First, the law prohibits causing harmful acts such as soil contamination or water or air pollution if these actions have certain effects such as harming a person's health. And secondly, regardless of their impact on human rights, the law also aims to exclude violations of certain conventions such as the Minamata Convention on Mercury. Listening to your explanations,
1: I think one can clearly say that this is a broad definition of protected rights. And in my view, it would be helpful, Julia, if you could tell us a bit more about the specific due diligence obligations here.
0: Sure, Kerstin. Well, generally speaking, the law obliges in scope companies to observe human rights and the environment along the supply chain in what the law calls an appropriate manner. Companies do not have a duty to succeed, but must be able to demonstrate that they've implemented due diligence measures that are feasible and appropriate in their individual context. So very important, only a duty of effort, not a duty to succeed. And broken down more specifically, in scope companies will have five obligations. First, they have to adopt a detailed policy statement on human rights protection in their supply chains. Secondly, They have to conduct regular risk analyses to identify risks for human rights and the environment within their organisation and the operations of their direct suppliers and implement a risk management system. Thirdly, companies have to implement preventive and corrective measures. Fourthly, they have to implement grievance procedures to allow for the reporting of violations and ensure follow-up measures. And lastly, companies have to document their compliance with the due diligence obligations and also publish an annual report covering specific topics. And what I would like to underline is that these due diligence obligations are tiered. The most thorough standards apply to the operations of the in-scope company itself, while the requirements are slightly reduced with regard to direct suppliers. And vis-à-vis indirect suppliers, measures are only required if the in-scope company becomes aware of potential human rights violations. Another aspect worth mentioning is that we expect that not only in-scope companies will be affected by the law, because the law requires in-scope companies to pass on their due diligence obligations, for example, through supplier codes and contractual provisions. And as a result, we'll expect to see the due diligence obligations walk up the supply chain and create additional obligations and liability risks also for other companies.
1: Now that you mentioned liability risks, this is always an important factor for companies. Could you also give us some
0: detail on what the law provides for in terms of enforcement? Sure. Well, in this regard, the law focuses primarily on public enforcement. The Federal Office for Economic Affairs and Expert Control is tasked with monitoring compliance with the due diligence requirements and will be the authority to investigate violations of the law. In case of infringements, the law provides for financial penalties that may go up to 800,000 euros depending on the individual circumstances. And in case of larger organizations, namely those with an average annual turnover of more than 400 million, the fines can go up even beyond this amount to up to 2% of their annual turnover. And as if that wasn't enough, the competent authority can also exclude companies from public procurement for up to three years in case of serious infringements. In contrast, the risk of civil liability is more limited. The highly controversial concept of a statutory damage claim was not accepted, so that general principles of civil law apply. At the last minute, the coalition also put in the law that the new BHRG diligence obligations do not increase the standards vis-a-vis third parties, thereby trying to reduce the scope for damage claims. And procedure-wise, there are, however, new tools available to claimants. The law paves the way for NGOs and labor unions based in Germany to enforce claims of potential victims before the German courts. Now, Kerstin, in light of these far-reaching obligations and the potential consequences in case of infringements, there are huge challenges for all companies directly and indirectly affected by the law. As compliance expert, what is your advice? What should companies do now to prepare for this?
1: First, I would fully agree with you, Julia. Companies are now indeed confronted with major challenges, and that includes even those companies that have already addressed human rights issues in their supply chains. And I would love to be able to say that there is an easy answer but unfortunately there is no single right way to approach these challenges. But what is clear though is that there are various measures which companies might want to consider in this respect. So if we take it step by step then as a first step companies are generally well advised to check their existing governance framework in relation to supply chains and to analyze whether they need to make any adjustments. We know, for example, that some companies have found it helpful to set up an internal steering committee regarding supply chain due diligence, which involves the relevant stakeholders and which has support from the senior level. Then, as a second step, companies will have to develop a granular understanding of the business and they should take stock of their existing supply chains and their respective compliance management systems to identify potential high-risk areas. That means that companies will have to trace the whole life cycles of purchased products and services and they will have to start with raw material extraction and end with disposal. And companies should also put a particular focus on identifying the specific risks which exist based on, for example, the locations, the supply chain or customer base, concrete business activity and potential human rights impacts. My view is that companies will already have much information on this in their purchasing and quality management departments. But if there is information missing, then this should be obtained. And again, this should be obtained along the whole supply
0: chain. Thanks, Kerstin. Well, this will be a huge exercise for many businesses, considering that many of our clients have hundreds and thousands of supply chains and that these supply chains often span across multiple continents and countries for the purpose of sourcing and supplying goods and services. Now, what are the next steps, once companies have gained a first overview of their supply chain risks? Look, the next obvious step is that companies need
1: to establish an effective risk management strategy to make sure that their existing compliance management system actually meets the requirements which are set forth by the Supply Chain Due Diligence Act. And in this context, we have already seen a lot of companies ask what the main aspects are that they should pay attention to and that they should have on their agenda. Just to give a summary of the key features, first of all, companies should have clear policies and codes of conduct for suppliers, and in particular, they should have a policy statement on human rights protection. Secondly, companies should clearly define responsibilities. So clarify who is responsible for monitoring risk management within the organization, and of course, ensure that the results of the risk analysis are properly communicated internally to the relevant decision makers. And it is important to note that a risk analysis is not a one-off. So companies should conduct comprehensive impact assessments on high-risk parts of the supply chain, at least on an annual basis, and also on occasion to make sure that they have properly identified any risks and can manage or mitigate them. That also means that if companies identify risks, they should implement preventive measures to eliminate or at least limit those risks. And there is a wide range of potential preventive measures, so for example, training and technical support of the employees, but also of suppliers, and then of course also know-how transfer along the supply chain. What companies might also consider is the implementation of self-disclosure mechanisms by suppliers, or internal
0: and independent on-site audits, or more generally, improvement and control management. Thanks, Kerstin. Well, when when thinking this through, it seems inevitable that all of this will lead to considerable challenges and discussions with suppliers. And at the same time, businesses will only succeed when teaming up with their direct suppliers. It's them that need to agree to the planned measures and work with the InScope company to implement them. Practically, it seems to me that businesses will often have no other choice but to focus on the potentially critical supply chains first and develop a strategy for action and then continue to work their way forward. Now, Kerstin, what if all of these preventive measures do not prevent human rights violations, which will inevitably be the case? What do companies have to do when finding out about violations? So, in case of actual violations, it
1: is rather straightforward because companies have to take corrective measures. So when the violation concerns the company's own business operations, it must immediately take measures to stop it, to stop the violation. But corrective measures, they go beyond this. They also include processes to remedy any adverse impacts in cases where the company identifies that it has caused these impacts or contributed to them, or where the company could actually use its leverage with suppliers to ensure that there is appropriate remediation for victims. And it is also needless to say that companies should carefully document any risks that they identify, their respective analysis, as well as any corrective measures they have taken. Because such documentation is not only required to comply with the reporting requirements under the new Act, but it is also an essential factor for companies to protect themselves against civil liability risks. So overall, I think it is fair to say that a lot is coming up for companies in the field of human rights protection in the supply chain. And with the 1st of January 2023 in mind, there is in fact not much time left for companies to get ready and to make sure that their compliance management systems meet the standards of the new act from day one on, in particular if they have numerous and complex supply chains. So in a nutshell, time and preparedness are of the essence here. And that is unfortunately not all. To make things even more complex and challenging, There are developments at the EU level in the field of human rights that companies need to watch out for as well. And I will hand back over to Julia who will
0: explain in a bit more detail what companies have to expect. Yes, indeed. Well, the details of what is coming on EU level is not clear yet. EU legislation has been discussed for quite some time. There has been a broad stakeholder consultation over the winter and the parliament has made far-reaching proposals for EU directive in March 2021. The suggestions of the Parliament are currently debated and they go significantly beyond the adopted German due diligence act. For example, with respect to the scope of application, the obligations regarding indirect suppliers, civil liability and the possibility to ban companies from importing products linked to human rights violation. The European Commission is now tasked with drafting a formal legislative proposal for the directive and it will be presented to the Parliament in autumn. In the run up to the proposal, we're currently seeing a lot of lobbying, including the German government suggesting that EU legislation should follow the German approach, thus, cutting back the ambitious plans of the Parliament and Commissioner Reinders. I'm personally very curious to see how all of this will turn out.
1: Thanks, Julia. And so much for today from Julia and me on this topic. Thank you for listening and please feel free to contact us if you're interested in learning more about the German Supply Chain Due Diligence Act or about any other ESG-related topic. We will of course also keep you up to date on recent developments in the ESG space in our regular podcasts or on LinkedIn. So stay tuned for further updates and we look forward to hearing from you.